Hey guys, on today's episode, I'm gonna explain and show you guys how I made six figures on three of my properties during a natural disaster. This is gonna be a definition of how to buy homes right. Welcome to this episode. My name is John Cho. And I'm Jennifer Moore. We are Asians with money and we're here to help you figure out finances. So I know many of you following this podcast are not, you're definitely not here for me. You're here for John and his real estate insights. So we're going to dive into that in this episode. All right, John, you've kind of picked out a few different flips you worked on or different projects, and we're going to kind of take a look at all of them. So you've had a, you've, you've had a really busy year. So which deals do you want to talk about? I think the best deal, the deals that I want to talk about is during when the hurricane came through, um, hurricane came, hurricane Sally came through. It was a category two, but it was moving two miles per hour. So it did a lot of damage just cause it was moving so slow. And I had three to four houses all at once. And a lot of them got hit by a tree, had to take it out the, uh, MLS and it, delayed a lot of process, but the crazy thing was we didn't make any losses. Um, we made six figures on all of them. I mean, all combined total. However, you know, we could have made a double, but. So, oh, so hurricane yeah. Sally kind of, uh, kind of dealt you a bad hand with, with the weather. Right. Right. However, you know, the number one thing about buying investment property is you make money when you buy which means you better be buying the property at such a good at such a good price. If you know for sure that this is a good deal where you would it will it should make you comfortable. However, there are still risks and there are a lot of times involved. Um, but you just have to buy it right. And I'm and, and on today's episode, I want to show you how much I made on these deals, even with the hurricane coming through, even with the hurricane uh, delaying over months. Uh, over months in the sales process and also having to pour in additional five figures of expenses that we didn't know. Well, so. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. So let's kind of start out at the beginning with these houses. How did you find them and what did you end up paying? So I uh, use some data. Like sometimes there are datas where you can find vacant homes and that's, uh, what I use and also sometimes driving for dollars work out. And it's just the matter of getting the uh, contact information of the owner and talking to them and seeing if they want to sell. So there was this property um, that I bought for was 50,000. Um, let's say project Carolina. Cause that, that was on the, th that was the street's name. Right. So let's talk about three houses today. So Car Carolina, Grundy and Olive. Okay. So those were the three houses that I had when Hurricane Sally came. Our acquisition in Carolina, we bought it for 50 grand, but it needed a lot of work. Uh, I originally calculated um, another 50 grand in rehab. However, it ended up being 70 grand. So, Ooh. and yeah, I know. So that was such a huge surprise. And the resale value at first, I calculated at 155 grand. But luckily, since the market was appreciating, it helped us tremendously. And we were able to sell it for 165. Although this deal was terrible because we, we had a contract at 175. However, we've had 
contractors lie to us for the um, contractor lied to us by taking so long and not showing up. So two months went by. And after that two months, we listed it. And as soon as we listed it, the next day, Hurricane Sally hit. A tree fell, punctured a hole in, in the roof, and then also destroyed a shed completely. And we had to shell out another 11 to 12 grand. That's including in that 70 grand in the total. And so that was unexpected. And, <laughs> so, that, and that was after you had already gone over your estimated reno budget to begin right. with, right? Okay. Right. So I was like 10 grand off, but then that hurricane added another 10 grand. So, cause I originally estimated about 50 grand, but it ended up being 60 grand in repairs. And then okay. that hurricane added another 10 grand in repairs. So it was two big trees. Uh, we didn't, they were very, very big. And the problem with when hurricane hits, all the contractors gets busy. So it's really hard for people to just come out. So it took another month to get, get it fixed up. So after that month, the property went under contract within two weeks and then the buyer's financing fell through. So yeah, so we had to start over again. The buyer financing fell through after a month in contract. So right now we've had the property for quite some time. We're talking about already four months. And then another buyer's came, put it under contract at 175K However, they decided to um, just cancel at the very, very last minute. Okay, so they canceled within 15 days, which is good. So that was great. So anyways, we put it on the market. Two, two weeks go by. We, we put it under contract again. However, this agent and this buyer, we gave them 14 days to inspect the property and on the 28th day, they they were like, okay, we want to inspect the property. But I was like, okay, but the inspection time period is 14 days. And then so they, they actually had cold feet, so they just backed out on the 28th day. And I said, no, we're going to have to keep the EMD, the earnest money deposit that they gave us, which was around 1750 And they kept fighting us. They, they didn't want to give that up. Although the contract stated, you guys have 14 days to back out, to write and cancel, inspect the property. How come on the 28th day you're saying, uh, we just want to cancel and that I am unethical for not giving their EMD back. So yeah, we were fighting. They, and but they we were, were outside the terms of the contract at that right, point, right? right? So they were, they were the ones that were not following your agreement, right? Exactly. So, well, so I, I contacted their broker saying, hey, if this doesn't work out, like we're going to sue, sue your agent, just letting you know. And here's all the screenshots and writings, all the time, uh, timestamp and everything. And even their her broker said, yeah, OK, yeah, you're right. If we go to the court, you guys are going to win. However, it's going to be a long drawn process and it will be. So but my objective is to sell. So we just settled at we get one thousand two hundred fifty. They get. $500, which still wasn't really fair. So then after that, the next buyer came through huh. and it, and, and we finally closed. So wow. there's a headache in that. Yeah. Yeah. That, but, that one doesn't sound like a fun project overall. Right. Right. So we ended up making about 36 grand total, um, which wasn't that great. Um, like doing the math 36 to 40, 39, 40 around there. So with the time put in and everything, that that wasn't that great. 
Um, would you do that deal again? Or if, if, it, if you knew, if knowing what you do now, would you repeat that or would you walk away? I would just wholesale it. I'll okay. just put it on the contract and sell it to someone else. Um, but however, um, the definition of buying right, I still bought it right because I still made, ended up making money. So now, yeah. Oh, when you're buying these houses, do you have a certain like ratio that you're looking for? Like 70% of fair market value? Like, do you have a certain number in your head or does it differ for every house? It, it differs for every house, but I just want to make sure if I'm putting 50 grand into it, um, I want to still get like, okay. So for example, we made this mistake where we put 190 grand and our sole profit was only 50 grand. Mm -hmm. So the ratio was just around less than 20%, like around 20%. So, um, you know, the ROI was low in my opinion i know some investors they don't care as long as you know they get that good profit margin but you know if we had that 190 grand we could have used that for other projects other multiple yeah. homes and bring in more money like that way so yeah i mean it really depends on the deal like for Car project carolina i really thought we could have just made a quick 60 or even 70 grand on it after all the repairs but that didn't end up happening due to hurricane contractor agents so there's a lot of moving parts but the moral of the story is i still bought it right we still made money that's that's the most important thing when you're flipping homes and the second home this this was a home run in my opinion so we bought the property for 59,000 total in it. And we spent about $2,000 cleaning out the whole property. And then Hurricane Sally hit as, as, as we finished cleaning it out. So after this, after Project Carolina and Project Grundy, since those got hit by hurricanes, we were like, dang, we're, we're stretching right now because our time has just got extended because we need to fix these homes. Now it's going to take longer. So what we ended up doing was we just listed the property on Olive and within less than a week, we got an offer for $100,000 in cash. So and, we took that deal. And that's the house that you have a, a vlog on, right? Is that the one yeah, where, where that, you and your wife are cleaning out? That was a really, right. and you guys have to check out this video. It's on John's channel. We will link it in the description box because it's crazy on the inside. And I, I feel like you guys should have, could have gotten like tetanus or something. And wasn't that the one where there were a bunch of fleas in there too? Like there, uh, no, not, not, or was that that's a different, different one? one. Okay. The, the one where you had the fleas, I just felt like, yeah, I, I felt icky even watching that. It was very, it was very yeah. hard. Like that was not that like, so some of these flip projects for you, when you're going into these homes, it's not like it's not like these glamorous HGTV shows. Sometimes these houses are kind of gross on the inside or you end up having to clean a lot of stuff out. It's not like it's not the fantasy that people really think about when they think flipping homes would be right. so much fun. Honestly, the grosser it is, the better it is. The better it is. You, can, you like yeah. that? Because oh. then you can point that out and get it for a good price. Because that property that I got for 59000 the other investor bought it from me for hundred thousand, and he's he put it under contract for two hundred and fifteen thousand within a week. 
So and that, that kind and of all you did you, was clean it, right? Like right, so you cleaned right. it out, and then you were able to get a lot more for it. Right. Um, I would have loved to rehab that property and actually got the full amount of profit. However, you know, you have to look at uh, your budget. Okay, am I overstretching myself? And yes, if I if we took that um, project, yeah, we would have been super stressed out. So, but then this is the exact definition of you make money when you buy. Yeah. So I think if we didn't clean it out, we would have gotten a little less. But since we just cleaned the place out, I mean, we were able to make close to $38,000, you know, within less than a month. So, you know, that's that's not bad, right? Yeah, it's not bad. So, I, I want to ask you about the financing or how... Um, as far as you buying the homes and then paying for all of the rehab, how have you been working out the money side? Um, are you private. doing this all in cash? Okay. Yeah, all in cash, private money. Because um, hard money loans, you still have to put a lot down. So mm -hmm. if you guys don't have money, that's fine. You have to find a private lender. A private lender is not a bank. It could be your uncle-in-law or your uncle, just uh, regular people who have money. But in return, you have to provide them a service by showing that you know the market, you can get a deal, you found a deal, you negotiated a deal. So, so that's the value you have to bring in return for them to join and to, for them to pour, out, pour that money uh, capital out. However, make sure you have good paperwork where you do get 50-50% um, of the profit. So make sure you always have paperwork. Um, so just be careful because on my first deal, oh. someone did screw me over 50 grand. Um, it, we, we rehabbed the property and, it, but after we were done, um, he totally ghosted me and just sold it to like sold it by himself through Zillow. So that was a huge bummer, but it was a really, really big lesson for me. So make sure your paperwork is good. Make sure you're bringing in value by knowing the market and knowing uh, what is a good deal and a bad deal and always locking that contract down. That's interesting because you, so you've been able to get ahead with less capital because you have this expertise because you've been right. able to go to these investors and say, hey, I've got this property. Here are the <laughs> numbers. And it's it's kind of easy to form a partnership because they know you know what you're doing. Right, right. Exactly. So, you know, total company, we, we made around 600K. However, you know, with it being private money. I also contributed my money as I um, started flipping because I started having cash, six figures and stuff like that. But we ended up making about 300K each. Ooh. So, but you know, as a first, first year, that's, that's yeah, pretty, that's, pretty decent. I would right? say most people would be pretty okay with making 300 grand yeah. their first year doing uh, real estate investing and during a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, I don't, I don't know anyone that's done that. Do you? I don't. Yeah. Besides you guys, I know, I know a lot. I know. You know okay, so you know a lot of people. Yeah. You know. Okay, so you you're hanging with the right crowd. That's that's another key thing. Yeah, those um, guys make 300k look like like uh, breakfast. And, and another question I have for you yeah. is: You have found quite a few properties by driving around and approaching homeowners uh, <laughs> just one on one. How when you're driving around and looking at these properties? What are some things you're looking for in as far as the house goes or uh, is kind of getting the sense that these people want to sell their homes? Like, is there anything that people can take if they're also just driving around and looking? What should for they sure. be looking for? Tall grass. Um, that's that's probably like 
one of the top things because you can see that no one lives there and the grass is just growing. Uh, bad roof. People can't really afford shelling out five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars, and they know they have a bad roof and it's getting really bad. And um, bad windows, old paint. Those are the signs that you should be looking for, and then approaching the sellers and asking them to sell. So that that's some of the stuff that I've done. And some of the houses, if you drive by, they look so bad, you know, no one's living in it. So it's one of those. Yeah. I think in our old neighborhood, we had a, um, we, there was like an abandoned house next to us and it was a situation, yeah. and this is probably kind of what you're looking for. It was a block construction home. It was older, but it was block. Um, mm -hmm. it was definitely like a hoarder house. There was no one living there. I think the owner had passed away or was in a, yeah. a, a nursing home. And the kids, so basically the kids had taken it over. So is that kind of the situation that's ideal for investors like you? Absolutely. Something like that. Absolutely. Or and when is, kids take over, because the kids just don't really care. Yeah, they don't want to deal. What do you say to these homeowners to convince them to sell you their house? Well, I, I just asked them, hey, I noticed your house on Main Street. It looks abandoned. It looks really bad. I was... I'm a local real estate investor here and also a realtor. Are you thinking of selling your house? And then they say, yeah. Okay. And how much, and then I always ask them first, how much would you like for it? I'm not going to give them an offer first okay. because I want to know what their bottom line or what they're asking for and then work, work my way down by point. And then let's say if they don't do it, like if they don't go to a price that I can't, I will still put it on the contract because I know some other investors will still pick it up for that deal. And then I would also go to the property or try to go to the property with the seller and look inside, take pictures and say, hey, listen, like your house is really crappy. Um, at this point, I am very, very uncomfortable of purchasing this property from you. 40 grand for 50 grand. I don't think I can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, can you can you do 40? Like I, I just can't um, logically justify at that price. And so that's, that's some of the lines that I use because I want to make sure I'm getting a good deal and I don't want to work where I put the property under contract and it doesn't sell. But however, when I buy stuff, I do buy it uh, to buy it, not to sell it to mm -hmm. someone else. So. Okay. And when you're, especially in the situations where you're getting homes that clearly are not being inhabited, do you find that, what would you say is the ratio of these homes having a mortgage or not? Are some of them paid off or do some of them still have a mortgage? Because obviously that would affect yeah. how much the, the seller can take, right? Right, right. Usually if, if the property is, looks bad, you, usually they are paid off. Interesting. Because it's free and clear. Okay. Um, it's they, they're usually paid off or very close to being paid off. Mm -hmm. I know yeah, it's, it sounds weird, but yeah, because you would think that work. that would be the opposite case. But some yeah. of these people that own the homes are elderly, and that does kind of make sense because yeah. they've had thirty years to pay off their mortgage. Now, mm -hmm. how often do you have you had to pay back taxes or any liens on the properties? Very often. Okay. So what? And that's another indicator whether if the property's paid or not. Oh. Um, the taxes are paid by a mortgage company, but let's say they're behind on taxes. That means they own the property free and clear. Okay. I mean, they can choose to pay taxes separately, but 
most of the mortgage yeah, companies most mortgage would, companies yeah. do not let yeah so that's a good thing to look for because yeah that's true if you yeah. if there's a lot of back taxes because mortgages require you to have an escrow right so, and uncle hey, sam tip. has the number one has yeah. the number one lien so if the taxes go behind they can foreclose on your property which is the craziest thing so you, you just have to make sure taxes are paid and that's why the mortgage companies always pay the taxes for you. So, Do you run into any instances where when you tell the homeowner you're a real estate investor, have you ever had anyone get mad at you or anything like that? Yeah, a lot of people okay. get mad when when you want to buy their property cuz mm -hmm. you know, with properties people are emotionally attached. Some people get really offended. Uh, some people, I gave them an offer. They just flipped out and started cussing oh. at me because oh, they were like, eh, can't believe you're trying to steal away from me. And I'm like, sir, like, that's my offer. You either take it or leave it. That's fine with me. Now, you asked me for an offer and I'm giving you an offer. Yeah. And so some people are really sensitive. Um, so it can get kind of draining, but it's just part of the process. Like any other job, there's pros and cons. Have you ever felt like they were going to like, try to get physical with you or anything like any like weird stuff like that um i mean most of them are through phone calls okay so so, so at least but, you're at least you're not in physical danger yeah. at that point so when i'm when i am in front of a person i feel like i do a really good job where if they still get offended they're not going to be coming after me because i i still am very polite when it comes to negotiation but i am very candid yeah. um i noticed my one of my business partners said john you are so candid. I can't believe you're walking. <laughs> you but are this, a real straight shooter. Yeah. Yeah. But this is what I said to him because he's the partner that I'm buying the motel with. When we were meeting with owners, we walked through some several prop, several units. And I was super candid as in, listen, this needs to be replaced. This curtain right here is ugly. Like as in like outdated. This, this just wouldn't match the theme that we're going for. So this is another expense we need to work out. The floors all scratched up, got to get them replaced. The Formica is so outdated. Um, the light fixtures all got to go. It's kind of smelly in here. And the, the, and that's, but there is a reason to why I do that because sellers in their mindset always think that their property is worth more yeah. than what they think. So in order to kind of negate that, you just have to be brutally honest with them. And at first I was very uncomfortable doing that. But as time went, went on to get a good, better deal and for the sellers to realize that the property is not as much as they think, I know they have an emotional attachment. That's why they think that property is so a lot worth more than what they think. So you just have to hit them really hard. And Hutch, Hutch does a lot of my other business, just partnered. Um, he's in a different kind of business where he only buys apartment complex and units. Um, I buy a lot of single family residential homes and i had dealt with a lot of sellers so that's where i learned on how to do that now you mostly right now do like fix and flip or like wholesaling wholesaling right. and whatnot are you trying to move into the rental market at some point yes absolutely because okay. here's the here's the here's the levels guys level one either being a realtor or wholesaling a property um, you know, selling, selling off the contract to another investor, make money that way, save that money. Then now you have a mass capital, you use that, that money to fix and flip to make even more money. Um, now 
you put the property under contract, you have all that equity, extra equity that you can have. Okay. The third step is owning rentals and for passive income and then building an empire from there. Cause then you don't flipping homes is such an active hustle. It does take a lot of energy and requirements. So that's why I'm always wanting to now kind of transition into passive income. And that's just the level when people have that rental income, they're, they're in a higher level than people who are wholesaling. However, there are exceptions because I do have a friend who's making $100,000 each month wholesaling. So, I mean, he's doing really good. And sometimes, yeah. That's a lot of volume, man. And That's that's a lot of money, for sure. And we should mention, you live in the Panhandle, Florida. It's not like you're in Los Angeles. So doing the kind of deals you're doing there, the numbers you have are super impressive because you're in an area that's, you know, not like a high cost market. Right. And the thing is, people think in order to be successful, you need to be in these booming markets in Texas and North Carolina. Honestly, it just starts from your neighborhood. Um, like this, the population here is 300,000. The median income is 27 grand. The median house sales are 200 to 300,000. Um, those are the most sales, most sold home prices. Um, so always think that your area is the best area and just learn from it and um start start making money that that other guy who makes 100k a month wow he's he, he has he's he's very good at his job and he's he's doing it in the panhandle and 100k a month is very amazing he can live i mean he can live like a king in the panhandle that is for sure but the crazy that. thing is nobody would know that That's he's true. rich cuz on Facebook post like three days ago, he was asking if someone was selling a used Ford 2018 or 2016 Ford truck. And I was like, dude, why don't you just go buy something? You know what? Though, why don't you buy him something like, cash? Yeah, that's, that's the millionaire mindset we've been talking yeah. about is that they're uh, very frugal people. All right. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've talked about the first two houses. Um, yeah. Tell me about house number three. House number three is the best deal. And we did not think it was going to be the best. We actually thought that was the bottom deal, which, which was so funny because we made about, about the numbers went like this. We purchased that house for 50 grand and right off the bat, we cut the, cut the acreage because the house had like over, over an acre of land and usual homes, here has like quarter acre and they'll still sell. So we left 0.3 acres for the main house and cut it up and sold the other land for 25 grand. So, which puts us as buying this property at 25 grand, right? So we bought it for 50 grand. We sold the land to another person for 25 grand. So technically we are totally in it for 25 grand. So, and then we got the property we had done, um, we had to get another 20 grand put in, which was horrible. The contractor lied again this time. Oh no, what's with these contractors? Two, two, three months. He he said, we'll get the house done within a month. And I go there in a month, no work has been done. I should have checked on it, but I trusted the guy. That's, That's bad on my fault. And then I was like, dude, why is no work going to be done? Oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll get it on it. It will be done within a month. 
The second month rolls by, it's not even done. Like the outside has not even been touched. So at that point, I was just furious. And then another month goes by, that's when it was done. And then we listed at like 120 grand and we've got offer full price for conventional loan. However, someone was offering us $108,000 in cash. And so you're like, that's pretty easy decision. Right, right. And we don't know, you know, um, what's going to happen with the loan. If you remember the first house that I talked about in Carolina, right. that took over months, three, three buyers, um, the loan situation. So we're like, forget it. We'll just get the loan. We'll, we'll just take the cash at 108000 so after closing costs and everything, we we made a good chunk. That was the most profitable one where we, but the ironic thing was we never thought this was going to be the most profitable one on the list. So we didn't even put this on our priority list. So it it ended up turning out right. How, however, you know, Hurricane Sally did make it look very bad, like trees, debris. Uh, one of the windows got knocked out. So I was just like, geez. But still, we made money, and that's the definition of you—you you buy, you make money when you buy. Yeah, um, since we since we are in Florida, and Florida yeah. does have the threat of hurricanes, what would you tell investors that are considering this state for um, buying property in terms of being prepared for those types of situations? I'll say, don't buy too much property <laughs> during hurricane <Okay>. season. <laughs> but if you do. <laughs> Just make sure you can just sell it off really quick, like like I did. Um, so yeah, so but these natural disasters, they're the worst. Um, you can get insurance. We always put insurance on our houses. Um, I believe it's national real estate and our some something, and I need to look it up, but it's an insurance company specifically made for flippers and uh, investors. Um, we we pay like monthly about like three hundred dollars a month. Okay deductible is super high but so if it's a if the fire came through that's fine you can get all that money but the the when the hurricane hit and the check came out to be about 12 grand we had to come out of pocket for that one because the deductible was just that high these insurance was there um, for if the house got like a tornado came through or just burnt down that was our reason of insurance because we were that that's primarily why we got insurance, but most of the stuff we would have to just do it on our own. If it's minor. Are there any other like weird costs that potential real estate investors might not un realize like anything like out of the ordinary? Oh, uh, for insurance. Oh, just in terms of yeah. like cost, like um, for flipping homes or for buying and selling properties. Is there anything that people just don't know, you think? Yes. Okay. Um, even even me too. Um, so, uh, so I did an experiment where I used to just hire general contractors and just count all of this expense. And I always estimate, okay, that should be that much. But for this other project, I didn't hire a general contractor because I got sick and tired of it because <laughs> most of them just lie to me. So I just hired a good handyman that I know and we, we just got all the stuff from Home Depot and Lowe's, but man, I don't, I don't think I'll ever want to do that again because it was just so, so extensive. Um, but such as like the hinges, mm -hmm. the doors, all that stuff that I don't really calculate. 
calculate. So I was like, things you don't want to think about. Right. And then some of the doors come, come with hinges, but some don't. And some of the doors come with uh, the holes for the doorknob and some don't. And I didn't realize about that until it was like, Oh, okay. Like, Hey, you know, the doors don't have any um, holes for the uh, doorknob. So I was like, wow, I can't believe it. So those small little stuff, I was just like kind of blown away. So, but it helps. I think if you're a fix and flip guy, I feel like for the first one or two, you should probably just get the materials on your own. And I wish I did that because then I can find out what these material costs. Yeah. And you know, and you also know if you're getting played too, like you'd be like, yeah, door does not cost that much. Absolutely. That's, That's interesting. Um, so, okay. So, all right. When you are first buying a house and then you're trying to figure out what you need to do in reno, um, what's your thought process for deciding what, what to do in the property? Well, my first thing is I, I just walk through it and just count up, count up the major rehab, okay. such as the roof, HVAC windows and everything. And then, um, Right, miscellaneous costs about like a thousand or two thousand because there's always going to be something, right? Some right, there's always going to be something like okay. appliances total. I just for appliances, I just count as mm-hmm. two thousand five hundred. Just so I like that two thousand five hundred. Yeah. Um, but some some rehabbers they get their stuff on Facebook Marketplace and they make it super cheap. Like I can't believe, like one of my rehabber friends, he only gets stuff on Facebook Marketplace. They look amazing, and he said, "Yeah, guess how much I spent total." 500 400 on all these appliances and i'm here just like spending 2500 so but you know i i like to put new appliances in um it really depends on on what houses you flip and what price point yeah like Um, what like if the neighborhood yeah exactly if no one in the neighborhood has stone countertop then you don't need to put um are stone countertop are there any trends that you've noticed that buyers are really liking right now as far as like the design elements Yes, the floors, they love the LVP floorings that has oh, yeah. the great gray hue in it. Okay. Um, it does make the house look very nice. Uh, I've, I've used, I'm using on one of my flips. So, but yeah, I noticed that. They love that. <laughs> yeah, they do. Are you talking about like the vinyl, like the vinyl plank? Like they're yeah, very luxury. low maintenance. Yeah, very low right. maintenance. And it's they're pretty cheap too. affordable too. Yeah, I like that stuff too. And I like that with that flooring, you don't have to have those ugly transitions pieces um, because we had to do that in one of our homes. Mm -hmm. And I hated the way it looked because they had to put, it was engineered hardwood. So they had to have the transition piece, you know, so it wasn't like just a clean, it was never just like a clean, wide open space. And I really just did not like that. But you can really get around that with the vinyl um, with the vinyl. Mm-hmm. What about like different finishes? What what do people what do people like in 2021? I just put white cabinets. White cabinets. Paint, yeah, paint it white. seems like people really like white cabinets. Is yeah. uh, you know it looks clean. The kitchen looks bigger too. So but and what I did notice was putting like one or three or four, even five light like special light fixtures can make the That's house true. even look better. Like that's when I learned and that trick was kind of when I learned when I was buying the materials myself and I was just like, wow, the price difference is like 10 to 20. Like it, it just makes sense to buy this and it's going to look a little better and hopefully it will sell quicker. Cause 
we hired this other guy to do everything. He bought like the cheapest thing he could see, like the cheapest of the cheapest stuff. And then we were just like, man, dude, we gave you a budget and we, we <laughs> paid over 30 grand on this. Like, why would you get like these $10 light fixtures? Like, I just, and that's the thing you gotta, you're gonna make mistakes with hiring contractors and looking at their work. Your expectation is this, but they might yeah. be here <laughs> or here. <laughs> so that's true. That that's a good tip though about the light fixtures because you're so right. Even changing out a light fixture from like contractor grade to like designer, it makes the house look a lot more pricey. Yeah, and uh, you know, and and it seems like too. It's also like um, it's a good like. Uh, focal point in the room especially you've got one with like the bling the ladies love bling i'm sure you figured that out um so that's interesting that you do think little things like that have, have you ever made a design decision that you thought was really going to pay off but like you find it doesn't really make a difference or you don't find it's really necessary no i think for the most of the part i do think there were some design parts like carolina we could have upgraded some of the stuff, but you know, I had a business partner. We, we make decisions together. He just felt like the neighborhood wasn't good enough for this and that, and he might be right. We'll never know just cause like that did take a long time to sell. So, you know, those, those are the things that we make decisions on. However, I do have to say like back to that expectation, you know, if you hire someone for paint, you just automatically think, oh, paint, how hard can it be, right? Like it should it should be very normal, just like paint. However, there's still a quality difference between whoever you choose. Yeah, so that's, that's the thing that I made mistakes on. Like, oh, he's taking out popcorn. Okay, that's awesome. I mean, it's just popcorn, right? But no, there's like like quality difference, yeah, which is crazy. I so just just gotta know who you're hiring. Yeah, popcorn ceilings are really not trendy right now. Do you make a point of just getting rid of them in whatever house like, you're in? Even if I'm getting rid of them, sometimes contractors don't do a good job getting right. rid of them. Like it just yeah, doesn't just look tough. good. We have to just get it painted over again. So yeah, there, there are some, but yeah, popcorns look terrible. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know why that was ever. I mean, it was obviously like out. a quick and cheap uh, solution to doing ceilings. <laughs> But it yeah. look they look the, like nobody wants a popcorn ceiling in 2021. Right. Another question I had for you, you're still getting really good deals in a seller's market. <laughs> How would that change if it was actually a buyer's market? Like what I do think you think get would happen in your area? In like you'd probably get some crazy yeah. good deals if if things switched around. Um, but it's pretty amazing that you've been able to get the prices you do even in this crazy yeah. market in Florida. So there's definitely ways to buy. There's definitely ways to make money in any situation. Like if it's a buyer's market, people, some of the buy and hold investors, they're going to start buying more houses because they know it's going to be cheap. They can either hold it out, get rentals from it, and then sell it at high when it's, it's a seller's market. So, you know, there's multiple ways to make money. Um, one of my mentors, he made the most money when the market was terrible in 2008. He, he became a that was the time yeah that yeah, was the time to buy houses he what he did was since everybody's foreclosing he went to them performed a short sale which means the with the seller's consent they go to the bank 
and asked the bank to sell it at an even cheaper price where it's like a good deal. And he would have an investor who would buy it all up, all up. And per deal, he would make like 10 to 15 grand and he would have these deals coming in and out, in and out. So he made a ton of money during that time. So when people say you can't make money during those bad times, they obviously just don't know the way to make money. I just realized you were like 50, like 14 or 15 at that yeah. time, I think. I in was 2008, I'll be in it. I'll be oh in eighth grade. <laughs> so you, do you wish you'd been investing in eighth grade? <laughs> no, I, I always just think now is the best time. Even yeah. if I didn't start early, I just think now is the best time because sometimes when you're young at that age, like that age, you just don't, you're, you don't think the same, like uh, real estate doesn't mean much. And I knew about real estate, you know, three, four years ago, and I just wasn't interested. And once I got into it and uh, I, I loved it. So, and I, I never watch HGTV. HGTV is kind of boring to me. I don't so. think you're missing out too much. A lot of those shows seem kind of fake to me. Like yeah. Everything is staged and yeah. they're just trying to come up with drama. Like, oh my gosh, we discovered yeah. this huge problem at the last minute. What will we do? <laughs> And a lot of the house hunter the, that I don't know if you've heard of the show House Hunters, yeah. but there's like a constant meme going on. It's like wife makes fourteen thousand dollars as a part time basket weaver, yeah. husband student no income budget eight hundred thousand. Like yeah. that's all the couples. It's like how do they afford? How are they even getting financing with yeah. these houses? Do they have rich parents? That's got they probably pay in cash from yeah, their rich parents. So I know, right? But, there's a there's a lot of like just really bad, I think, misconceptions that those mm -hmm. shows give real people. Like they're just not based in reality at all. Yeah. So I don't, maybe maybe at some point we should have you react to stuff like that. That would be kind of funny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Although I had another thought. Maybe your wife Lindsay could become a general contractor. So she could do all that. <laughs> Maybe she could be in charge of all the, the projects. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's just too stressful. And honestly, I would never want to be a general contractor. A general contractor. I've, I, I've seen their work as in like the way how they deal with clients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you have like a ton of projects, clients get get ticked off. They're like, hey, how come this not working? And I'm just like, wow, this guy has like 13 other jobs and uh, I just couldn't deal with the stress. <laughs> so. you're, you're what you do seems stressful enough to be honest. <laughs> um, well, this has been awesome. And I, I think we, I learned a lot during this episode. So thank you for sharing all your wisdom with yeah. us. Um, and guys, if you're watching, drop us a comment. If you have any questions for John about real estate or finances, uh, we're here to help, but this has been, we just really wanted to kind of catch everybody up on John's real estate stuff. Because I know a lot of you are here uh, for that, for that, and uh, we wanted to keep uh, keep you guys in the loop on what John's doing. You have a lot of exciting things coming up, though, so right. we'll definitely be doing a lot more with that, right? Yeah, and so just to put this in an, an analogy for you guys to understand quickly um, in a better way. So let's say, for example, this I buy this iPhone 12 Pro XR, right? I mean, 12 Pro, and I don't want it anymore. And I just, and this has actually happened to me. It happened to me for iPhone X. Someone bought the iPhone X and, and in a month they didn't want it. 
um, they said hundred dollars is yours, and I bought it. Wait, and did you I, say a hundred dollars? Yeah, exactly. So wait, like, somebody sold you an iPhone 12 Pro yeah, for hundred dollars? They didn't want it, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take that. It's same concept as that car that I How? drove. Um, you know, I bought that car for three hundred dollars and ended up selling for one thousand two hundred fifty. So take that concept <laughs> and in buying houses. Yeah, I, it's the same thing, but it's a bigger item, and then you just okay. sell it to someone else. Just flipping Man, all the time. You, I feel like you need to do a course on how to get these, like uh, an, yeah. an iPhone 12 Pro, which is a new phone, like a very yeah. new phone. For the a, iPhone X. It, it was the X. iPhone X. So how yeah. did, how did like, why were they selling it for such a low price? That's they, insane. They bought, the, they bought the phone, but they hated their service. They okay. absolutely hated their, I don't know That's what crazy. other company, but they came to yeah, and then they switched, and they were like, "Oh man, what do I do with this phone? Like, I can't do anything." So he was just like, "Do you want it?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." Like, yeah, uh, for a hundred yeah. bucks, man. man so wait. yeah, exactly. So take that concept is pretty much the same concept, kind of the same, but you do that in real estate, and you can do that anywhere, honestly, with any kind of product. Because I know some people flip properties; they go to TJ Maxx, they scan the code, and then they see that. Uh, on Amazon is selling for 30 bucks and on TJ Maxx is selling for 10 bucks. They buy it and then they just put list it on Amazon sell for 30 bucks. So they, they made profit. There's kind of the same concept. Yeah. So <clears> is <throat> the phone going to be your Asian approved for this week? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a really good deal. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else? Do you have anything that's Asian approved? No, I actually, all right. We'll go, with the, we'll go with the hundred dollar iPhone. I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I think I, I have like a Motorola phone and yeah. I think I got it. I got like the unlocked and my phone was more expensive than your phone and it's not as yeah. good as your phone. Yeah. So man, you really know how to find those steals. Like I'm it's, just, it's the seller. And away. I know people are just like, oh no, that, that should be a value. This value is up to the seller. Yeah. That's and, the crazy And also part. what situation someone's in. Right, right. And like exactly. maybe they just need cash now and they want to sell right. their iPhone for a dollar or something. I don't yeah. know. Man, well that's that is crazy. All right, so my Asian approved. I've got I've got two. I bought this uh very awesome insulated vacuum like the vacuum insulated tumbler things from Target. Love this thing and it's dishwasher safe. Uh so I've been trying to drink more water and I've been kind of carting this everywhere. I put ice in this thing last night and it's still in the cup. So it's a pretty good cup. So if you're looking to drink more water and keep your beverage cold, I would recommend this hashtag not sponsored. I've also, um, the only thing I've been eating today is Reese's um, peanut butter eggs. So that's, I guess that's also Asian approved. Um, and last, yeah, so I, yeah, I guess this is my snack today. So I have not eaten anything. I'm gonna do that probably after we're, we're done here. But uh, that those yeah. things, Reese's, insulated mugs i'm a fan guys thanks for watching we really appreciate you guys tuning in um i hope you guys learned a ton today so thanks for watching make sure you hit the like button and subscribe and make sure you comment thank you guys like, do you see that fly flying through the oh fly like, no i didn't notice it, it. oh no yeah. is it Bob? is it it's just oh, happening geez. now because i'm recording here let me kill that that's so annoying. We can use this as a blooper at the end. Oh, geez. Are you going to get it? It's weird because...
didn't have this problem, but then now since we're shooting, we're having this problem. <laughs> is it is it trying to sabotage Asians with money? Is it exactly? It's, 